Welcome to Lamenting the Leafs, episode number 22. I'm Cam McCachron. I'm joined by Nick Richard and Keith Whipple. And guys, I thought that we should do a dignified intro for once. Um, we're not coming in as hot as usual. A little bit of time to relax here after the uh, end of the season. How was Father's Day? What uh, What did you guys get up to, Nick? Father's Day was nice. We're finally allowed to kind of go out and about a little bit here again went and enjoyed a nice barbecue with the family and yeah it was a beautiful day outside yeah finally starting to feel like summer around here yeah more more of the same for me uh did the the family barbecue thing with my family on saturday my wife's family on sunday and got back sunday night back to our place and just laid on the couch and did nothing it was great it's a good weekend. Very good. And, and right back to it with, with the dad stuff, Nick, you almost got your eye torn out of its socket right? <laughs> by your youngest. So uh, <laughs> That was a graphic yeah, video. My, my youngest one is quite <laughs> savage. <laughs> well, uh, happy Father's Day to you both. And, uh, Thanks, bud. Any, uh, any dads listening out there as well. I uh, hope you enjoyed your day. Um, Except Paul Marner. <laughs> agreed um but we want to start positive which which nick just kind of threw out the window uh but but um it it will go downhill here i'm sure at some point because you know things are still raw but uh, there is some good news to start with uh and being that we're talking about father's day off the top uh the leafs dad is sticking around for another year Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Spezza, one year, 750000 I don't know how much time we need to spend on this because I think that that's pretty much a thumbs up around the board. Uh, that, that, that was like I mean, a no-brainer. The dude said he wishes he could take less money than the league. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. To me, this was, I would have, if I were Dubas, I would have just announced this during the year-end availability. Like, give some red meat to the to the fans because, like, ultimately not much got really got said during those year-end uh, interviews. And it's like, we knew this was happening. It's like, uh, this was uh, uh, such a tap in the the ultimate tap in. Yeah, you know what? I I didn't think it would happen so soon though. Like, not that Seattle's going to take him or anything, but I, I did expect it to kind of drag on a little bit longer into the summer. It was a lot closer to the beginning of the season when they gave him his last deal, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a little bit further into the off season, but it, you know, it's it was. I, it's definitely, I think, unanimously liked. I can't see anybody not liking this. And then also extremely likely and, and not really a surprise at all. I think it's pretty much going to be this. I, I could see him coming back next year, too. I guess it depends on his health and everything. But when I was I, – we're not, not going to say too much on this because I know we're going to talk about this stuff in the future. But when I was putting together – my kind of armchair GMs and stuff like I'm sure everybody else is doing. He's like the only person in the bottom six that I'm like sure is going to be back. So that's uh, it, it's good that it's him. I'm glad he's back. He's one of the few people that I didn't have beef with at the end of the series. Well, if he was five or six years younger with the production that he just had this past season, he would be one of the most sought after free agents on the market. this Absolutely. Off season. Uh, like he was outstanding last year for the Leafs and you know, I think he finished just behind Matthews and Mariner as far as like points per 60 minutes played at even strength. It's just he didn't play a whole lot of minutes. Like he was extremely productive last year, took on a new role on the penalty kill winning faceoffs and things like that. Getting him back at league minimum is a 
huge get. Yeah. yeah and, and I mean, y- you have to expect some kind of a drop off from what he did because he was just so good in the minutes he was out there. But um, I thought the drop off was going to cut. Like I liked him in his first season with the Leafs. And then last year I figured, okay, well, he's obviously going to go downhill a little bit, but he was like way better than he was even in his first season with the Leafs. So I, I don't think that it's guaranteed that there's going to be some kind of regression. He, well, he still looks really good. I, I think he'll still look good. I just mean strictly in terms of point production. Yeah. Like, like you yeah, can't expect fair. him to, to have that kind of points per 60 impact, like through, through a full season, through a full 82. I don't think next season playing on the fourth. Line. No, that, that's fair. That's definitely It fair. would definitely be important in an 82 game season that he get the odd rest day too, which is, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. Where and, that's where that's where his cap it comes even more in in friendly and, and invaluable is just the fact that they will be able to to you know have him on the roster and not play him, you know, ten or fifteen percent of the year. Yeah, well him taking league men gives them a better chance of having enough space to carry an extra forward to provide him that yeah, rest. Yeah. Exactly. And that was part of his deal this year, right? Like like he he rested some back to backs and I, I think that they were saying, you know, it's it's Spezza sitting and not Thornton, even though it's Thornton looking washed at times especially because it's it's kind of something they agreed to when they signed the deal apparently so i'm assuming it'll probably be more of the same yeah um continuing to talk about some team building stuff um and we're going to get into like all of these things individually as the off season rolls along but just to kind of um talk about some of the the headlines that have been you know swirling around lately and, and zach hyman has kind of been at the center of some of that nick you, you ran a poll on our twitter account and the question was this uh if the leafs are able to retain zach hyman how much should they be willing to pay annually on a long-term deal and we offered um the options of uh 4.5 five five and a half and uh six million uh, per season and uh, of course it was 67 uh, percent in favor of the lowest option <laughs> 4.5 and a lot of people said you know it, it should be even lower uh you know it should be 3.5 or 4 which um it just okay, doesn't seem realistic but it's, it's, yeah that like yeah. 4.5 is feeling less realistic <laughs> just not going to happen or some people said you know make it three years and then maybe that but why would zach hyman take three years like it's you know we got to look at what's reasonably going to happen which is someone signing zach hyman to a long-term contract because you know he, he's had a hell of a run the last three seasons he's been more productive than i think any of us could have hoped and yeah. someone's going to pay him and he deserves it. But I, I don't think that the Leafs are going to be the team. And I don't think that they should be, especially at the numbers getting thrown around out there now. It's not reasonable to you know expect that he's going to take this big hometown discount. I don't think any player should re- ever you know do that. First of all, they've earned the right. He's fucking worked his ass off more so than anybody on the Leafs his entire time here. The guy deserves his payday. There's no, it doesn't, it would make no sense for him to come in and take a short, you know, three year deal just to try to, you know, help the Leafs out. You know, this is his time. He's earned it. Everybody waits for this first UFA contract to kind of get their six or seven or eight year deal. And why wouldn't, uh, you know, if you're a team with cap space and, you know, you look at what he's done with, with Marner and Matthews and you've got, you know, high end talent that needs a, a guy to kind of fit that role as the third forward on the line. There should be a lineup of people looking to sign him. Yeah, I think it's just come down to a matter of the interests of Hyman and the interests of the Leafs don't line up anymore. And it's really unfortunate because he's been such an important part of the team. But he's at the stage of his career where the Leafs can't really afford to lock themselves into big money 
on a player like him. And as much as we all love Zach Hyman, I think everybody does. But, but the fact of the matter is that more mistakes are made on contracts to players like Zach Hyman than just about anyone else in the league. Like, just look at the Kyle Oposo, Andrew Ladd, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And, and it's not to say that Zach Hyman's going to fall off a cliff the way that all of those guys did. But he will at some but point. There are similarities. He will at some point. <laughs> he is going to at some point. Yeah. And it's, it's sort of like the, you know, die a hero or live long enough to become the villain sort of thing. Like if he leaves the Leafs for big money now, like our memories of him are still going to be fond ones. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if that would have been the case, you know, five, six years from now, if, if we're paying him five and a half, six million dollars. And he's, you know, gone through a significant decline. All that said, I think, like, we've watched a lot of guys move on from the Leafs over the last few years. You know, you got JVR and Tyler Bozak and players like that. I I can't really recall a guy who, like, it is making me actually very sad to think that Hyman's not going to be a Leaf anymore. Kadri for me. there's one and Naz it's to, yeah. a little different yeah, circumstance. They didn't let him walk, but like, I mean, yeah. they traded him. So it's still, but yeah, that's the only guy. And, and that sort of felt like Naz made his bed, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it is a different situation for sure. And it's, but it's very much the feeling of like, you know, this is the team that we're going for it with. And I'm sad that this guy's not going to be a part of it. And, and yeah, it's definitely. Looking like Hyman's going to be one of those guys now. And, and, and it sucks, especially because you haven't done anything. It's not like it's, no. you're, you're shedding, you know, guys that, that, you know, it's just, it's become untenable. Like, you know, these guys have already gotten, gotten paid and, and now they're, they're seeing their, their buddies have to walk. And, you know, because, of you know their their lack of contributions like they've they've kind of achieved nothing together and that's like really disappointing yeah but yeah i mean i I just i don't see a path forward at this point like it's it just doesn't seem uh, workable and it doesn't seem smart he's earned more money than the leafs can afford to pay him yeah Yeah, like simple like the thing is you know we we were talking about uh kind of the need for another guy that that does what Zach Hyman does. We talked about this contract earlier in the season, and I think what I said was five by five, and that even that was kind of like uh, I I wouldn't be keen on that, but but that's kind of what I figured you at least need to get it done. And it seems like even that won't do it. Now. Maybe had they shown some kind of progress in their ability to win in the playoffs this year, you know, maybe management is more willing to take that short term leap and risk having trouble with the contract in later years to just kind of try and push that last little bit, but it still seems like they're so far away. Yeah. Is, is it worth locking into that kind of deal? Is keeping Zach Hyman going to be enough to push them over the top? And, and what are you able to change if, if you lock yeah, in with it. another that's guy? That's the biggest thing. Yep. You're, you're not leaving yourself any money. If, if that's the case to make it to make a significant change and it's unfortunate because I, I don't think that Hyman is necessarily the guy, the guy who needs to or should be paying the price for that like um, you know in terms of this hasn't worked out someone's got to move but it's just kind of his ticket is up and it could be the same situation with Morgan Riley a year down the road or even sooner than that if if, if they send him packing right so you know it's just back to Hyman for a second doesn't it feel like it's a step farther away from what they need to be doing well, to see him walk out the and, door. And, and that's what I was kind of getting to, right? Like uh, when they got Felino, it's because, you know, they felt there was a need for yeah. a guy who kind of brought a, a little bit of so, someone who kind of does what Hyman does for that second line. So now you're going to need 
two of those guys if that's still what you think you need or you know maybe you go more skill or just kind of try to see what you have internally I, I don't know what the path is but it would seem you, you you at least have to replace some of that because like that's just too much jam too much um you, like he did too much for you to, to just kind of let that walk and not try to get an impact guy to, to play there. You know, whether he does the same things fill. or just someone with an, a, a serious impact, because that's what he's brought for three seasons now, at least. Well, and that's the thing is, yeah, yeah, you know, we're talking about how regular seasons don't matter for this group anymore. Like, get us to the playoffs, show us you can win around. Um, you know, Zach Hyman seems like the type of guy that should be a, a playoff warrior, like that type of guy who will take it to the next level and, you know, in the playoffs. I think he's like, I'm looking at it right now. He's had five points in his last 19 playoff games. It's not, I know I get, he's been injured in, you know, leading up to the playoffs in both of the last two years. I can't remember three years ago, but he hasn't exactly lit the world on fire in the playoffs either. So that might come into the consideration of maybe there is a need for a bit more skill. Second, you know, scoring has been an issue in the last few years in the playoffs. So maybe that is the direction they move in for that spot in the line. But you're right in that it didn't seem like that was in the playbook when they went out and acquired Felino. It seemed like they thought they needed more Zach Hyman's. But yeah, I don't know. He just hasn't really necessarily taken a step in the playoffs either. And that's probably due to injuries but it's something to consider yeah i I think two things can be true with him there right like um you know one is that he's developed offensively further than i think any of us expected and the other is that um when the rubber really hits the road in the playoffs um he just he's probably not going to be a guy whose whose puck skills are going to allow him to to produce and you know he's got to kind of go nose to the grindstone and when you know the guys he's playing with aren't producing like it's it's not exactly easy easy sledding and 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 like you said the injuries too but i wonder if uh, it sort of came down to the leafs viewing hyman as making his biggest impact when he was on that third line where he was the guy you know like do they see matthews and mariner being able to produce with a, a lesser player than hyman i think that's reasonable to expect so are you going to want to lock yourselves into big money and big term for a guy who maybe eventually is just the guy who's driving your third line? Yeah, not with I, I just, surgically repaired knees and over 30 years old. Yeah, I think that they – it's sort of like an American inefficiency thing where they think that they can get the impact that Hyman makes on the top line for less money than what it's going to cost to keep Hyman. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and I think if if I, I kind of do like the idea of investing in the third line, but if I'm going to do it in in like a guy on the third line, it's going to be a center, and it's going to be a guy yeah. who can produce a bit more, um, independent of you know playing with top top players, right? Um, so like yeah, like I, I think the third line center is still something that needs to be addressed, and you know if if. Hyman's walking like maybe that's part of where you channel some of that money but um yeah I mean you got so many holes on the way yeah and maybe Kerfoot's the guy who slides in to, to play that that left well, wing role up top you gotta yeah. find two left you gotta find two left wingers right to play to play in the top six with your with your four big forwards and the two of them combined can't make much more than what Hyman's gonna make on his deal if, if not less. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, and that's honestly, like, I, I, I kind of like the approach of, like, just roll out, 
you know, see what you've got in Robertson and in Mirov and, and just like throw them in. Like we said, sink or swim in the in the regular season, because, again, it doesn't really matter. Like we don't care uh, ourselves, but it's a hell of a proving ground for, you know, rookies to kind of see what they've got heading towards, you know. And, and hey, maybe you don't even like have the cushion to do that next season back in the Atlantic Division, right? Like maybe it's it's probably going to be a tougher grind than uh, you even expect right now with with the teams that are going to be in it. It's certainly going to be a lot tougher than it was in the North Division to make it, right? So, But also, um, what, I think a big part of the reason why Mariner was so ineffective apart from you know all the obvious things that we've gone over a million times but he was also fucking gassed like he was played a lot yeah this season and this and during the playoffs and part of that came from the fact that they've never really they didn't really have a third line that they could trust with any kind of real minutes so yeah i'm all in favor of of investing more in the third line and i think you're right i think that means a couple of like million dollar wingers Uh, you know is really the only way to make that work yeah i was all over the third line center thing all season long you were yeah you you banged that drum a lot i've never really cared for kerfoot so much in that role i think he's a fine player i thought he had a a really good uh, series against montreal but even after seeing that he's not the guy that you know he's not my flavor for third line center i am kind of in the same vein as cam i want someone who can sort of drive things more independently of who he's playing with can produce a little more maybe a bigger body who's got a a bit more physicality and and i think kerfoot is a guy who's capable of playing one of those top six left wing spots he was really good with Tavares and nylander in the past Uh, i i think he thinks the game well enough and he skates well enough to to play with those guys so maybe that's one in-house thing that, that they don't have to yeah, worry about. And then that leaves you two-ish million to work with to, to kind of, you know, again, with that idea of being in under what Hyman's going to make, like three and a half there and one and a half, two for another guy, and there's your top six. But it's a matter of that. And that could be multiple guys too, right? Like that could be kind of the same idea of what they did with signing VC and Boyd and, and all these different types of players and cycling through them until one sticks. And, you know, then you end up with like a Galchenyuk, but it, it doesn't have to be something that gets set and forget, you know, in October, it's likely going to be fluid. Yeah. Especially with Sheldon Keefe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, going to be an interesting off season. Like I, I really don't know where it's going to go. It feels like there's bigger changes coming than just Hyman, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about um, wh- one of the things that's kind of been talked about is uh, Chris Johnston has been kind of teasing like a mystery player that, you know, he, th- he thinks the Leafs are going to get an impact guy. We're going to talk about that in our Patreon episode uh, a little bit later. But Keith, you mentioned Mitch and wanted to bring up Marner because we, you know, we, I was tough on him. I think we were all tough on him um, and not not undeservedly so. Right. But, um, you know, I... I uh, this one's tough for me, right? Like it's I because I, I, I love the guy, Nick. You and I saw him play in his first season, his first preseason, right? Maybe not. I don't know. Was it his first preseason or like his his? That, that was the preseason before his rookie year. I think he. Had, yeah, the preseason he actually made the team. Yeah, and um, they they played out in Halifax, and it was like this guy is the real deal like he's just so like you know the 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 thing we've talked about before where it looks like he's just he's watching it from above and he's just you know he knows where everyone is it's he's he's you know he's a remarkable player and um 
but you know, it, like he, he he didn't show up in the playoffs, um, and it was it, it was tough. But then it's like I I. I I feel sympathetic for the guy from time to time. Like it's, he, he's a very polarizing guy, right? Like it's, you know, he's a fan favorite. He, he had the contract dispute, which kind of a lot of people got off the train there. But like for me, any time, and you kind of referenced it at the start of the show, but like any time that I hear anything about his camp or like see old video clips, just you know, as one example, <laughs> just another um, game, amen. Like, <laughs> like. I just feel so fucking bad for the guy, and I'm yeah. I'm, I'm I'm trying to to force myself not to say I feel bad for the kid because he's not a kid, but he like it's you know he is an adult, and like this is you know and like not to make it too personal or, or whatever, but like the you know the the when, when you see people popping off on like Instagram or whatever, and like it's like you know you're you're, you're a big name, like you wanted you, the whole thing was he wanted to be like seen as you know as important as matthews he felt he was as valuable um to the team etc cetera, et cetera. times that that's that was fair to, to say totally and yeah. and but but that's it you gotta you gotta be that you know on the ice and off like it's you you, you can't yeah. be like I, I i want the a-list treatment and then i want to be like complimentary guy uh on and off the ice but also calling my shots on the power play, if that's actually what happened, I don't know, but it's just, it's all very complicated. Ultimately, I think we settled on like, I I think we kind of have gone back and forth on this. Like, do do either of you still feel like trading minor is a solution or, um, I never really did. No, I mean, I, I, I didn't ever get there. Like I, 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 like even in the heat of it all, as upset as I was and as disappointed as I was with how he played and just you know the deflated body language and everything that went along with it, like what are the chances that again next season? Does anyone think that he's not going to be one of the top point producers in the league next regular season? Of course, yeah. He produced absolutely. all all season long. The first cold streak that he and Matthews hit happened to occur in the playoffs. And yeah, the, the playoffs are different than the regular season and stuff. But if if I was a betting man, I'm betting on Mitch Mariner and Austin Matthews not running into another cold streak like that in the playoffs again. Yeah, and, and I like, think they're just way too talented. And I, and I think it's the the right bet to continue to go down the road with these guys. If you're Kyle Dubas, it's like I'm going to just continue to take shots because. You know, the the only argument for it, I think, is the flexibility argument, right? Like where that's, he's taking up so say. much of the cap. Um, and, and, you know, if there's if there's an obvious guy to move, like you, you're not moving Nylander because you're getting so much value there. Um, I think I think it, he would clearly be the guy because, you know, what are you doing at center if it's one of the other two? So if you're looking at the big four, he's the clear guy. And, and then it's, you know. Um, a question about what, what what else can you add to the roster if you free that up? But again, like you're completely changing the dynamic of your team there, right? Like it's a lot easier as much as Zach Hyman does for you. It's a lot easier to um, re- replace that. But but to your point, Keith, like he he did play probably way too much, and you yeah. know there's also this kind of factor with him where like uh, the Philadelphia 76ers just got knocked in in Game Seven, and like they have not been able to get out of the second round, which you know at least they can win around. <laughs> but in the NBA, that's like first round's like a buy a lot of the time. But in any case, they they got knocked out. 
And there's a lot of questions going on with them. It's very kind of reflective, a little bit of the conversation around the Leafs, where you know things have been uh, kind of building towards this. Joel Embiid was the the first pick in 2014, I believe it was, and Ben Simmons is kind of the guy who's getting this this all all of the hate, all of the 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 wrath right now because like he he can't shoot, which is he doesn't something he you need very, to do, and he won't very shoot. Similar, yeah. He, he was three for three in the fourth quarter in the entire series like he he just would not shoot the ball and like for your starting point guard that's a problem so like people have been <laughs> saying that you know there have been a lot of like takes on Simmons over the years and it's it's a much different situation than Marner but there are some similarities in that like you know there are some limitations in Marner's game that probably arguably like you know it, it, it's just it's hard to justify um, him taking up you know that much and again like totally worth it for a team like that needs a star but like when you're a team that already has the has stars the saying is like you know if you get the best player you won the trade and you're not going to get the best player in a Mitch Marner trade if you're if you're moving on from him but the, the the argument is: Are you in a situation as a team where you can lose a Mitch Marner trade, but get the right pieces and win a championship because you're you, because you think you're you're close enough? So, and that that's kind of where I'm I'm at with this. And I don't I don't want, like want to trade Mitch Marner. I don't think that that's something that's going to happen, and it's not something that I, I necessarily want to happen. But at the you know, even now with the emotions died down a little bit. I could understand it from a few point of views. Like I could understand it from a, you know, a bet hedging kind of standpoint where it's like if they shut one guy down versus, you know, if you had two guys making five and a half million dollars, you just doubled your chances of a guy having a good game and, and or a guy taking, you know, uh, taking over a series or taking over a game. You you are a little bit more like eggs in one basket with with Mitch, right? So that's you know ten and a half million dollars for from a winger spot. It's a lot, and yeah, you're right. You're not going to win a trade. You're not going to get, and and this isn't a, a trade where you're going to be looking for futures. Like this is a trade where you're going to be looking for roster players, and you're you're not going to find another Mitch Marner or you know, and the sum is not going to be greater than the than Marner. But could you build a better lineup? with two or three more players making up that and become a deeper team because you're not in a situation where it's Marner's your only star and now you're left starless. Although it doesn't seem to matter with the Montreal Canadians, they don't have any fucking stars and they're doing what they're doing. But like you, you still have Matthews and you still have Tavares and you still have Nylander. I I understand that. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't want it to happen, but if it did happen, I would at least be able to understand the, the thought process. And and to what you said before about like people going on, you know, off on tw- on Twitter and Instagram, like, yeah, that's, you know, stupid people being dumb. Like that's going to happen. Like people <laughs> commenting on his, like, you know, just carving him up on his social medias and stuff like that. Like that's stupid. He's nobody deserves that, but he does deserve to be questioned in the sense of your production just hasn't been there for how much money you make. And, and, and it's not, something that can be continued to happen. And and I don't know how many chances you give them, uh, you know, before something like that happens. The thing for me is that we've seen what Matthews and Mariner are capable of together when they're at their best. 
And I think Mitch Mariner at his best can win you a series. Mitch Mariner, yeah. when he's at his best, can can lead you to a, a fucking Stanley Cup, man. I still believe that. And I, I just continue to bank on the talent. He, he's a guy that does so much for this team. I, I get the, the disappointment and the vitriol and all the concerns. And, and you guys both make a good point about the eggs in one basket and more flexibility to add balance to the roster if you were moved. But for me, it just comes down to you try to establish or you try to acquire the most talent on your roster that you can. And Mitch Mariner is one of the most talented hockey players in the world. I just I can't wrap my head around him never figuring it out in the playoffs. I just think he's way oh, yeah. too talented. Yeah. That and again, he does so much for the team. It's not it's not just that he can set up Matthews to score goals. And I think a lot of people have maybe reduced him to that in their oh, yeah. that's fury no. after, no, that's the, absurd. after the yeah. disappointment. Because he, if that's what you are telling yourself about Mitch Mariner, you're, you're lying to yourself. He's been this team's best penalty killer for the last number of years. He impacts the game in so many ways, defensively and offensively and in transition and on the power play. He's just... How do you replace that? Like replacing Zach Hyman is one thing. You're not replacing Mitch Mariner once you get rid of him. He's a guy that 31 other teams in this league want. Yeah. It just it doesn't make sense to me. It would be so reactionary to to get rid of him based on, you know, not just seven playoff games, but even going back a couple of years. I still think that's way too small of a sample size when you compare it to everything else that Mitch Mariner has done in his time as a Leaf. To, to make your decision to move him based on that, I think would be something that you could come to regret real, real soon. And Cam said it best on our kind of post-mortem episode. That there was all kinds of concerns about William Nylander and him not being able to perform in the playoffs. He erased that this year in a big way. Yeah, uh, like He was the best player on the ice for the Leafs. So arguably the best player on the ice for either team in that series that wasn't you know wearing goal pads. Yeah. Do you, when Mitch Mariner inevitably figures it out and begins to produce in the playoffs, do you want that to be on the Leafs or do you want that to be on the Vegas Golden Knights because they seem to acquire everyone? <laughs> well, and, 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 and another thing too is like, you know what? Now that the dust has settled a little bit, I think there was, I think everybody was kind of on the same boat where we were like, no excuses or whatever. You don't want to make excuses for the series, but it would be. You know, it's it's it would be reactionary in the sense that, you know, does anybody think for a second that they would have lost that series if Tavares was healthy? Absolutely and, not. And, that, and that's the and, thing. Is and like, that's not like it, we easily could have advanced. Mitch could have figured it out in the second round and we could still be playing right now if Tavares didn't get hurt. So it's like that can't be you can't you can't make a roster decision like that on, on something like and that. Even less than that, man, like one of those shots that Matthews rings off a bear or yeah. one of those that Mitch just wires wide goes in the net. We're talking about an entirely different narrative here. Yeah. So it's just like it's such a game of inches that I think you just have to continue to bank on the talent. Yeah, I guess I just like, I hate that, um, like I said earlier about Dubas, like making the bet on these guys and going down with his guys. It's just, we're so much closer now to him actually going down with his guys, it feels like, yeah. doesn't it? Like, like and it, 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 it just, didn't... another reason is because this year just felt different we said it all year that's why this hurts as much as it does that's why there's so much vitriol being thrown around 
to Marner and, and Matthews to an extent. And, you know, it's because I think everybody, every Leafs fan, whether it was your super stats nerd dudes or your like drunk uncle, like thought, like believed in this team this year. Like this, that's part of the reason why this hurts so much is it, it, it did feel different all year. Yeah. And that's just, that's my concern is that like, I think that Dubas has done a great job in the draft the last few seasons and I'm just I'm worried that like we're gonna have like you know MLSE pull the plug on this thing like at some point in the next two seasons and then we're going to have this kind of brief renaissance when some of these guys come into the into the league and then we realize that the guy we replaced him with isn't as good a drafter and you know the ship has sailed and and well that worries it, me too yeah i mean it's getting to that point now right yeah it's definitely getting to that point we said it on our last patreon episode the pressure is officially on for all of brendan shanahan kyle dubas and sheldon keith and i hate that because despite all the results i still wholeheartedly believe in kyle dubas as a general manager and I think that his vision for this team is a good one. And I believe in his ability to, you know, tinker around the edges and find those inefficiencies that maybe other GMs Better can't find. Most. And I think that, yeah. yes, and I think he's he's drafted well. We have yet to, you know, sort of reap the benefits of those drafts. But the, the prospect pipeline for the Leafs has turned around in a big way since he took over drafting after Merrick Hunter's departure. And I just, it would be a real shame. And I think another thing that would kind of come back to bite the Leafs eventually, if that were to happen, you know, another, even if it's that they can't get out of the second round next year and, you know, the board gets antsy and wants a change. uh, I really, more than anything, I felt disappointed for Kyle Dubas this year because I thought that he did a great job building this team. And for it to, you know, we talked about it last time too, but for it to all kind of fall apart and him not to even be able to ice his group in the playoffs because of, you know, the injury to Tavares and whatnot, just everything seems to go wrong for Kyle Dubas no matter what. And it's a shame because I think he's been doing a really good job. Yeah. Um, to, To kind of loop it back to Mitch, um, like we talked obviously about the flexibility it would give you to move him. Like I hate that this is part of the conversation now, but it almost has to be with the way that everyone we've is seen. tied to their, their cap. It. Well, yeah. no, but it's not just that that's, that's the one part of it, but it's also look at the way the playoffs are being played right now. Look at the product on the ice and uh, how smart is it to like invest so heavily in skill right now when the, the league seems to want the wild west and it is uh, brutal to watch and we're going to get you know into it more in our in our patreon episode but like that that that's kind of a factor at this point too isn't it like i mean i not not that it's smart to get rid of skill but i i just i feel like the game was trending in such a skilled direction and i felt so good about you know what the leafs had in that in that vein and over the last few seasons it's, it's like the league has tried to derail that by just letting uh, player safety and officiating completely run wild it, I, yeah I, I don't know like I, I don't I don't really know kind of what watching those games or watching the games that are going on right now it's like there, there's definitely still a lot of skill involved but I just I think everybody's hit a point where like even you're seeing big you know, names in, in the kind of the hockey media world or like, you know, for lack of a better term, like hockey influencer type people like a Ray Ferraro or Gord Miller being like, 
the officiating needs a reset. It, it, you, it can no like this game management thing where, you know, a trip in the first period gets called and then the, you know, exact same play happens in the third and it doesn't get called. doesn't make any sense. And, and if your idea is that you're, you don't want to influence the game by a penalty, you are influencing it by not calling it. And we've, we've said this before, like this was a talking point on this podcast earlier in the season with, with just some of the, the officiating debacles that were happening earlier in the year. And, and it's, it's tough to watch the game that this way, because you 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 kind of get into this mindset where you're like keeping score of the penalties too, yeah. And you're just like, oh well, you know the next one's coming for Vegas, and like you know, oh, Montreal's gotten three in a row here now, or or vice versa. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's not that shouldn't be part of the game. It should just be called as it happens. And you know, and and here's the thing, like. I'm not saying that you need to call every shove after the whistle. Like, I don't give a shit about Braden McNabb punching Suzuki in the face. Suzuki went into that, shoved him. He was trying to – I don't feel bad for Nick Suzuki. Like, he that's the outcome he wanted, and he wanted a penalty goaded out of it. I'm fine if you look at that and say you were being a dick and wanted him to punch in the face, and you punched him in the face, so I'm not going to call either one. It's just the – it's the it's the in-play stuff that that's – bugging me watching the game and i don't know if you guys feel the same way or not yeah i totally agree with your point about them you know everyone says oh let them play let them play but you're not letting them play when you've got no. Connor mcdavid flying through the neutral zone with three guys it's the opposite on his back. it's the opposite yeah you, you, play. the guys that you want to let play are the stars and skilled players in the game not the slow-footed defenseman who can't keep up so he needs to clutch and grab to to stay in yeah. front of the guy that's attacking him the guys you want to let play are the stars and until there's some kind of reset with the way that it, it seems so like institutionalized like just from the top down the player safety well, thing ron mcclain cutting off freeman the other night like that oh my god because like, he's a referee guy right like it, it is it's, yeah. it's very institutionalized yeah it, it's just like i don't it seems so such a tall order to fix everything that's wrong with the, the way that the game is officiated. And it really is discouraging because I think that, you know, the NHL is a great product, but it's being hampered by the, the way it's being officiated. It's, it's, it's frankly gross. Like, yeah, I, I want to see, I want to see fair games and I don't mean equal power play opportunities. I mean, the team that outplays the other team, one and forces them to, you know, take penalties. Actually, get rewarded. Gets the power play opportunities yeah. and re- and is able to, you know, capitalize on it and win the game because that's the way it should be. If you're good enough to force the other team to commit infractions, you should be able to get rewarded for it. And that's just not the case in today's NHL. Yeah, there should, certainly shouldn't be a ceiling on it just because you, you know, played so well. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's a real problem, and it it kind of seems like the league doesn't really care right now. Um, we'll, we'll we'll talk a bit more about this in our Patreon episode. Um, it, we're recording this on Monday night. Um, the Islanders and Lightning are underway. There's no NBA tonight, so it's it's going to be really interesting to see how the league fucking falls on its face with the, basically the, <laughs> the whole, whole world watching. <laughs> yeah, they've got the, the the spotlight, so I'm sure it's going to be just a shit show. A um, couple of things to mention before we wrap this one. Um, Austin Matthews is nominated for the 
Hart Trophy, which I think is pretty much was That's expected. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. It, it, is. Not, it doesn't feel like it, you know, it, it has a bad taste in your mouth just because of what happened, but this should be celebrated. Yeah. I mean, the last Leaf to get nominated for the Hart Trophy was Dougie back in like 92 or 93, right? So yeah. it's not something that, that happens very often. We don't, it just kind of ties back to, you know, the whole talent point I was making with Mariner. These players like Matthews and Mariner and Dougie Gilmore don't come around all the time. So, yeah. Yeah. Remarkable season for sure. Like there will always be the sour taste of what happened in the playoffs, but, uh, you know, like you gotta, gotta cherish these moments, baby. This is, uh, you know, (laughs) a lot of people are saying that like, you know, uh, we're not looking forward to the 82 game regular season. We're kind of saying the same thing too, but like, like I said, you know, like we've done it in much worse years. Like it's worth tuning in every night just to see what these guys can do. Yep, and Absolutely. I want I want him to get his fifty, and I want Mitch to get his hundred. Like I I think that that's a reasonable expectation for next season. Yeah, I mean I, I'd be shocked if he didn't get fifty in a full season. Like it, it would be oh, stunning yeah. if if he didn't. So he almost had fifty this year. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's 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 sixties the stretch goal for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, something else we wanted to mention: it's Pride Month, uh, and just before we started recording, big news in the NFL. Uh, Carl Nassib came out as the first uh, openly gay uh, active NFL player. And, you know, this is, again, just like really fresh news. But what I will say, like right off the top is like how refreshing it is that like the reaction compared to uh, Michael Sam, like seven or eight years ago um, when he came out. And that was such a fucking media circus for like no reason. And, And, you know, it feels like we're just in such a better place with, with stuff like this right now. So good on him. It's, it's an awesome thing to see. And I think that's a good point, Cam. It's easy with all the chaos in the world to feel like everything is is doom and gloom, but to kind of take a step back and appreciate the progress that we've made, even just in, you know, the last number of years here. I think that's a good point you made about NASA and Michael Sam. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, obviously we, we hope to see the same in the NHL at some point. Um, feel, feels like, you know, the NHL still got ways to go with, with this at, at times when you kind of look at the way that they've approached some of the things that during Pride Month, like from what I've seen from people I follow are not thrilled with, with you know, the way that the NHL has, has you know, gone about it at times. It, it feels like it's very... Um, you know, like like right now, basically, we, like we, we've got three straight white guys talking about this, which is fine. Um, but like when you're the NHL, it feels like, you know, when you're doing Pride Month stuff, it should feel like it's not just straight white guys talking about it. You know, like it's, yeah. it's like they're doing a lot of like highlighting allies and stuff like that. It's like you, like you have a lot of money. You can just like give some of it to like gay fans, you know, LGBTQ plus fans to 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 do this for you kind of thing. Right. So, um, like that's, I don't know, it kind of getting off, tr- off track a little bit here with this, but, um, it's good to see, we hope to see it, you know, in the NHL at some point yeah. as well. And, and it, I feel like it kind of goes hand in hand as well with, you know, the, the NFL's got their own issues. Right. But like, I, I feel like the other three leagues, the other three of the big four just do such a better job of, of letting players be themselves and and show their personalities and i i think that that directly ties into um that that and why we haven't seen that in the nhl as well guys in the nhl don't want to be like you know or at least are taught or institutionalized to not 
let you become a story like you as a person it's team, all about team first team. team 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 so something like this like even if uh, a player felt you know and, and again speaking as a straight white guy that you know would ha- has never had to experience anything like this but like i, I would like i even if somebody felt safe enough to to come out um you know as as gay or bi like just knowing that it would just be such a media storm around the team, like that could be the reason why they wouldn't do it as opposed to, as opposed to how, you know, teammates and, and, you know, colleagues or peers might feel. So, yeah, I think we have maybe a little bit more ways to go, but I think, you know, that this is obviously a a great step in the right direction and something that maybe somebody in the NHL is, you know, sees and and hopefully, you know, allows them to, to make a next step and kind of their, their, their progress with it. So, Hopefully, hopefully we see more of it in the future. Yeah, and to that point, uh, really courageous step taken by Carl Nassib, so good for him. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay, we're going to wrap this one up. We're going to uh, record a little bit for Patreon, and we're going to get to a tune before we uh, finish off from our good pal, Andre Pettipas. Uh Andre Pettipas and the Giants, they've got a new single. And it, his fucking Habs are still playing, so we're gonna we're gonna Why give not? him a spin. <laughs> uh, I actually saw Andre the other night. He uh, he stopped in, like you said, you know, restrictions have lifted quite a bit here. Like, things have really taken a turn in Nova Scotia from where we were like a month ago, which is great to see. We actually had no new cases today, so um, that was awesome. And uh, yeah, Andre was playing a show Friday night down in Bridgewater and stopped in on his way home and. Uh, uh, yeah, after that big overtime win for the Habs, the the Josh Anderson game where he finally decided to show up and uh, <laughs> have a big outing. So, um, so homesick is their new single, and they've got a beer for it too, which I was also enjoying on Friday night while watching that <laughs> game. Um, so Andre Pettipaw and the Giants. Uh, this has been lamenting the Leafs. Thank you for listening. Make sure to check us out on uh, social media and on Patreon as well. We're going to record something for that uh, and lots of off-season content uh, coming up as well. Sorry in advance For all the mornings Roll over and I'm not there Sorry in advance For all the dates I'm The love that seems distant I feel a bit homesick Give me something To get rid of it And I want it all 
Give me some 